1: Hi, friends. Pastor Mike here. Thank you for joining me today for this episode of WCN-TV. This is a very important subject we're going to be discussing with author Denise Schick. Um, I would encourage you to take the next few moments uh, as I share some opening remarks to uh, alert your friends and family who may be experiencing a loved one who has opted for The LGBTQ plus or transgender lifestyle. They won't want to miss this conversation. According to most estimates, 5.6% of Americans self identify in one of those categories LGBTQ plus or transgender. For Generation Z, those aged between 18 and 23, the numbers, if you believe these statistics, are rather astonishing. 17 percent. For decades, homosexual activists have pushed the idea of born gay, but these statistics suggest that these lifestyles are being chosen. Author and my guest tonight, Denise Schick, has worked with gay and transgender identifying individuals for decades. She has a personal testimony in this so she's not someone who cannot speak to the issues and the heartbreak and we'll allow her to share that in a moment. We are we are going to be discussing her new book Moving Forward in Community. It's a book that helps parents and loved ones work through the the turmoil, the angst, the fear that often accompanies this type of lifestyle change. How do you move past the sense of rejection, questions, fear, anger, sense of betrayal? Well, Denise will walk you through that in this book. Highly recommend it, by the way. And that book is available on Denise's website, helpforfamilies.com, and I'm sure a major book retailers. And as we open today, first of all, Denise, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's good to have you back. As as we open today, um, I just want to give a a word because people are probably expecting this. Um, but navigating the the current transgender and LGBTQ plus landscape has become very difficult because of the the polemical nature of of um, our culture on on every issue. The attempt to engage in meaningful conversation is, is fraught with all kinds of snares and traps that, that lead, in my opinion, to nowhere productive. Most, uh, most folks are aware of the most recent example of the danger of jumping into this topic. For anyone unfortunate to say the wrong thing, according to certain people, uh, is palace uh, pastor Alistair Begg in his response to a grandmother who asked him how she should react to an invitation from her grandson to a transgender wedding now I'm not going to rehash that conversation and that's not not the point of bringing this up but I am going to say this brothers and sisters we have simply got to stop engaging in the same cancel culture mentality that we've been subjected to by the social media elites. I'll let that stand as my statement on that. Denise, you at a very young age, I think I read uh, age nine uh, experienced a a devastating event in in your life. Let's open with that because I think it provides a, a context and a, and a platform from which you can speak very authoritatively.
2: Yeah, so sure. Um, So uh, particularly on this summer day, my mother was at work. She worked the afternoon shift. My dad had come in the house and asked me to come out and sit with him, but he had something he had to tell me. Um, Didn't have a clue what was about ready to hit me. Uh, What seemed just in moments, he turned and looked at me and said, I want to become a woman. I feel like I'm a woman. This is how you will know when I am feeling this way. Uh, and started to just pour out other details of his life, of uh, the situations that he would put my mother in. And I really couldn't understand why was he telling me a kid? How am I supposed to respond? Um, I couldn't say anything. I didn't say anything. I, nobody could prepare. For this kind of news coming from a parent. Well, the one lie that I told myself was, Denise, this won't impact you. Mm-hmm. You are a separate person from your dad. But I discovered very soon afterwards that that was really denying the reality because it did impact me immediately. I began to grieve the loss of my dad Grieved the loss of those dreams that I thought, you know, he would be the one to show me what to look for and a boyfriend and a husband already thinking who's going to give me away at my wedding. Um, So just the loss of a father that I had uh, grieved silently um, by myself because I didn't know who could I trust, who could I tell this to. And if my mom knows, that's just going to make her sick she had migraine headaches. And so I'm thinking I'm going to create her to to have to go to the hospital again. Um, a couple of years went by 11 years old, and I started to mature young. And though that was the natural thing for our bodies, it became unfortunate for me because there my dad had grown a lot of resentment towards me becoming that natural born woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Our relationship grew very, very tensed um, as time went on. Uh, By the time I was 13 years old, I was saving babysitting money, lunch money, buying alcohol, trying to find a way to numb the craziness that was going on in the home. And again, not saying anything to anybody about what I was experiencing. I was trying my best to protect my four younger siblings. Uh, By the time I was in eighth grade, I considered suicide. I just wanted a way out of the the pain. Um, didn't know how to escape it. Uh, but, uh, you know, God's always got, he's always got his ways to reach us, even in our most desperate times, if yes. we are willing to hear and to see him.
0: Yes.
2: And how he had moved was, uh, I was home from school with a snow day, and there happened to be a talk host. post, That was on a show and they were discussing teenage suicide Mm. and there were two individuals uh young teens that attempted suicide and the boy had chose the method that i was already had in mind but he wasn't successful and he was in a coma Mm. and i honestly thought it would be far worse to be in a coma and still hear my father's voice uh, and still knowing that I'm living in that pain. So I decided I could just suck it up, get through my teenage years, get out of the home, and join the military. Those were my plans. Uh, And so sucking up is is what I did, even to the point when he was um, taking my clothing, uh, Mm -hmm. makeup. Uh, There were certain, you know, if it came to, to looking like a girl, wanting to look like a girl with makeup or maybe a pretty blouse or a dress on, I would actually take it to school and change in the bathroom stall. And then I would take it off before I got home. So if dad was home. So it, I had done that in a way of thinking, am I going to trigger him if he sees me in a dress, um, but also felt unsafe because there was also some uh, sexual advantages that happen that shouldn't have occurred between a mother or between a father and a daughter.
1: Wow. Wow, that's a, a remarkable story and God obviously used that to for your good as the scripture tells us but that that's not to minimize the the pain that you went through the emotional trauma is um is that do you credit that uh, your experiences as a as a young uh, adolescent and teenager propelling you into this current ministry do you think that that god used that to turn your attention to this subject and then to prepare you to be a resource
2: there's no doubt about it though i will uh, be quite honest and say that for two years as an adult when i heard the lord speaking to me about starting a ministry to speak about what my family had endured, uh even the hurting of my father, I had told the Lord no for two years. I fought him on it, tooth and nail, and finally he had um there there was such a creation of such a burden on my chest I'd never felt anything like that before. I, it was just like somebody took this boulder and just mm-hmm. uh had this belt around me, and I could not shake it and so emotionally. I finally broke down and I said to the Lord, if you want me to do this, you have to open up a door. I am a small town country girl and I don't have a clue to what to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. I um I stated some some statistics in my opening comments. Uh five point six percent of Americans self-identify in one of those categories and Gen Z it's even higher. It's 17% now. Has your research shown those statistics to be accurate?
2: The statistics that I have uh, found and and looked at our studies, um, and, and I'm like you, I don't know if it's real because obviously the LGBT wants it to look like it's expanding, you know, that we've uh, somehow hindered people to becoming their real self, yeah. but when we look at the numbers uh of them possibly growing and possibly being that percentage, I think if we look at in two thousand and fifteen when gay marriage became legalized, you know when so we have people now, young adults that were teenagers or young people when all this was happening and We now live in a world of moral decay, Uh, but to them, it became normalized going to a gay wedding. Nobody bats an eye. I mean, you know, there are some, but I'm just saying in general, with the culture, they don't bat an eye. If somebody's niece is marrying her partner or uh, somebody's son is getting married. And so when with the decay that we see in society, Uh, I would not be surprised that it has risen. I'm just not sure if I believe to the extent that the LGBT promotes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would share those same uh, sentiments because it seems that the media wants to trumpet uh, every example to try and prove um, their point, but be that as it may, whatever the number is, why do you, why do you think, what has your research shown? Why are, are, especially young people, Gen Z, why are they embracing um, these lifestyles?
2: Well, when we take a look at what goes on in their environment outside of the home, they are in the school systems, the you know, library uh, the libraries of elementary or high school, the books that they have, the curriculum. We also have teachers that are promoting this ideology, promoting their thoughts, inserting their own life experiences, and sharing that with their students. It's definitely going to make a difference um, to be uh, for a student to be very compassionate. You know, if a teacher's had a hard time and, and expresses that in their journey to come out as gay or transgender, uh, I think they'll show more compassion and the teachers know this, but it definitely has its impact on our young people.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, your book is all about providing help to parents or loved ones who have a child or a friend caught in one of these lifestyles. Um, One of the things that I like about uh, your book and, and this, and I thought it was brilliant, Denise, is that you put a, a QR code in uh, each chapter where people can t- take a snapshot of that. And there is a YouTube video um, attached to that, that gives them additional information. Um, that was a brilliant move. I, I congratulate you on that. Cool. What, what is, so, so these, these YouTube videos, uh, are they you or other people speaking on the subject of each chapter?
2: Yeah, I'm in the introductory part of it. Uh, Other than that, there are several other families that shared their journey of a loved one that's either gay or transgender. And the idea of that, uh, Dr. Mike, was to bring a community to somebody that's at home and feels alone or maybe is still stuck, stuck in the shame to tell somebody what they're going through, that they can actually listen to others tell their story and to have a connecting place.
1: Yes. And this is a relatively uh, new book. Are are you getting a good response to it, Denise? We are.
2: We are. In fact, the staff is also running a couple groups every week with individuals of interest where they are, um, moderating, leading the group study with uh, the family members, particularly moms will start a couples group this fall.
1: Yeah. Um, The first chapter, chapter one, is called You Are Not Alone. That's a good place to start because I imagine when parents, uh, this is just a general broad brush stroke statement, when parents... uh, encounter this, uh, a son or a daughter, reveals this to them um, beyond the devastation. Most probably don't even know where to look for help, do they?
2: No, they don't. Uh, I think, you know, and sometimes they're so caught off guard. They've never seen this coming. Uh, so they're desperate to try to to figure this out, to put those puzzle pieces together.
1: Yeah. And that uh that can that kind of um shock or surprise can have an effect of just locking you out emotionally and freezing you at at that place. You don't know where to turn. That's why that's why help for families is such an important ministry in this book and the and the work that you're doing. Um, you record in that first chapter according to twenty twenty-one um Gallup poll. So here's here's where this 17% is coming. One in six adults in Gen Z uh, consider themselves in one of those categories. And, and again, I don't want to belabor that point, but I don't know that I believe those statistics are accurate in, in the sense that um, there are actually that many people that believe that. Um, based on their own experiences, I think those numbers are higher and you mentioned this, Denise. I think those numbers are high um, because they 've been propagandized or they've been uh, peer pressure has 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 pushed them into this. Uh, how much of it do you think is is kids just being kids and experimenting for for attention or I hate to say it for shock value? Do you think that's a factor? Uh,
2: it, it's a factor, but I don't think nearly as high um, for the young person that's l- looking to connect with his or her peers that maybe doesn't have a whole lot of friends, um, more of a loner, and to connect themselves with the LGBT, they will be celebrated. Mm-hmm. They will have all the attention and affirmation that they're looking for. It's just in the wrong place.
1: Yeah yeah that's a very good point. very good point. So why is it important for parents of of LGBTQ children to know that there are resources and and is there a um, I don't want to call it a clearinghouse, not a not a national hotline, but is there is there any kind of of resource that that accumulates ministries such as yours that that um, alerts parents? Of what's available?
2: Well, there are, I'm sure there, you know, there are other ministries out there for years that have uh, worked and uh, we have different colleagues and friends uh, as we refer and work together on projects. I know uh, the name Stephen Black had come up earlier in a conversation and he was somebody that we worked together on projects. You come together and you have a trusted group of individuals. And when I mean trusted, you also trust where they come from biblically on these issues. And so with that, you know, there's a there's a strength Um, for families. Why is it important for them to kind of come out of the closet themselves if they're going to have healing? They need to come forward. That you know, there's just God provides so much healing with. Others coming alongside of them Mm -hmm. to listen to them pour out their heart or for the man that's in the Bible study with other men and feels so much shame to have a place that is safe for him to talk about what he's going through as a man and as a father where the other men can lift him up. And for women, generally, we just we communicate. We say so many more words than a man. And when something goes wrong, so often we're more out to run to think, who do I call, Susie or Lori or you know somebody to hear us. So to have somebody that that can listen, that is willing to hear the heart's cry and to pray with that person to be a support for that person, because this is generally a long journey for most families. It isn't something that... You might wish it's going to go away overnight, but chances are it's not. Yeah. Um, God's got something to teach us as family members. And I think that's why our journeys, we endure them at different p- periods of time in our life. And what do we go through? He's also molding us.
1: Yes. Yeah. Amen. That's, and that's a good point. Is it is it common in your experience, those families that you've ministered to, Denise, is it common for parents to... Um, go through a period of denial uh, and kind of close down.
2: Yeah, it's a, a um, it's a natural response, you know. Just like when I was a child, like I, I was living in denial, thinking this isn't going to impact me, right? And, and if I started to think about it, then it become reality. And countless times, I've heard from family members that have said that they have looked at the website, whether it was Help for Families or Living Stones. Uh, sometimes for two to three years before they reached out. Uh, And they said that I knew once I made that call, once I sent that email, it was going to make it real. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Does that denial parents often experience, Denise, does that just involve them, them not talking to their friends or other family members about what's going on? Or does that include conversations with their, their son or daughter who claims to be LGBTQ plus or transgender, do they they just avoid the whole subject thinking it'll go away or what's been your experience? Both
2: parts, you know, it's not just speaking with somebody else, but also their loved one. Um, If they're in having such a difficult uh, place emotionally and, and spiritually at times with this, if they talk to that child, if they sit down again, that conversation makes it real. And they're not going to be able to forget what's been said or what's been shared.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So in 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 the book, again, we are talking with with author Denise Schick, and she is the founder, executive director of Help for Families Ministry, as well as the executive director of Living Stones Ministry. She's the author of multiple children's books, several nonfiction books um, and several dealing with this very subject um, you encourage readers in this book, thank you, producer, um, to move beyond the fear and the grief. That's, that's a big ask for a lot yeah. of parents, isn't it?
2: It is. It's a hard, it's, it's not simple. Yeah. When we are working through our grief, <clears throat> we have to be honest. We have to be honest about our feelings. About the losses that we feel, uh, the disappointments, we have to feel all those emotions uh, and who wants to who wants to do that? Uh, there's not anybody that wants to volunteer to to go into the grieving uh, process, um, but it's important that we do the fear is what often stops us too. At least we'll try and halt us from our own healing. Because if we fear going through grief or facing our emotions, we've kind of become frozen. You know, we aren't moving forward. Uh, In a sense, we're staying backward. But as we look at at the Lord, he doesn't want us to live in fear. He doesn't want us to uh, be constant under that dark cloud. If we face our fears, if we say, what are our fears? Generally with fears, it's my loved one won't come back to the Lord. Uh, My loved one's going to transition. My loved one's going to uh, be married to his or her partner. Those are fears. Well, address those with the Lord and and look into the Bible for the biblical truth on how to handle those matters. Uh, Express those concerns with who's walking with you through your journey
1: yes yeah yeah and it doesn't doesn't help that um communication within families is probably one of the most challenging things um that parents experience not just with one another but with their children and so adding this kind of um event uh, to that is really a strain um so, parents, I know they've they've voiced to you and and um, others in your organization that that the guilt and the shame that they feel, um, and assuming that it was their fault, they did something wrong, uh, that just exacerbates the the entire situation, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it does. Um, you know, we any family member in these situations can think I would have, I should have, I could have, you know, that there's some way that we could have prevented our loved one from making the decision that they have. I even played that game as a young girl, you know, if only I was nicer to dad, if only I could love him more, if only, if only, Uh, but again, it doesn't help in our healing. If there's something uh, that needs fixed in a relationship, like maybe we need to forgive, our loved one. There's something that we had said to our child in a a harsh way or something. We go and we address that with them, but then we have to let go of it. And I think that's what we have to learn to do with the fear as well, or our concerns being frozen to ask the Lord for help. I wouldn't have made it without the Lord. There was absolutely no way that I would have made it out of my journey And countless families that I hear from, it's always the Lord that gives them the strength to get through day by day.
1: Yeah, the fear, the grief, the guilt, the shame, the second questioning, it it just creates a a whirlwind of a maze that that parents can believe, "I'll, I'll never escape this. And that just leads to more more despair. Um, You talk about controlling, moving beyond controlling behaviors in your book. What what do you mean by that? What are controlling behaviors and how do you how does somebody recognize that, first of all, and then move beyond that?
2: Yeah, to recognize that when we uh, try to control the situation and and basically we're we think that we're controlling it in our own mind because we can't control again what somebody does or what somebody says. Uh, but we can try by manipulating, by putting on a, a guilt trip for the individual. How could you do this to me? Mm. Um, you know, trying to control the, the response, the outcome of the situation. And that chapter in particular has a mom sharing of how she desperately tried to control the situation. But learning that as she relinquished the control that she thought she had over to the Lord, there was so much more peace that she was able to live in day after day. And that's what she needed to continue onward.
1: Yes. yeah. know, you talk about acceptance, too. This is. Um, this is a subject that I think a lot of, of Christians struggle with um, accepting um, a friend or a person, a loved one, family member that has embraced uh, any of these lifestyles under the LGBTQ plus transgender. Um, why is that so difficult for, for Christians especially, let's talk about Christians, to accept a friend, family member, loved one that has chosen this lifestyle what how would you answer that denise
2: i think sometimes uh just as fallen people uh, we can have a judgmental attitude towards somebody Uh, there's a difference of accepting them for who they are just as a person a creation of gods uh, to accepting the behavior so if we separate those you know, we we can realize. Um, you know, I accepted my dad as being created by the Lord, a precious in the Lord's sight as a male, um, important enough for Him that Jesus Christ died on the cross for Him. Recognizing, you know, just as humans, we need to show respect and love and concern. I've often said that if my husband and I were driving down the road and we seen somebody that was obviously transgender, are we not going to stop and help that person as we would anybody else? But that doesn't mean that we've accepted the life that they've chosen as the best path for them. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yep. That's exactly the answer I was looking for, Denise, (laughs) because we've got to be able as, as representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ to separate those two things. Accepting, loving the person for who they are as a creation of God, but n- not accepting, condoning uh, the behavior, um, the choices. And that's where we get into, um, well, we can get into the weeds, as they say, or it can get a little bit murky, Um and we have to allow for the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us to arrive at a a position, don't we? It's I don't yes. think it's as cut and dried as what people want to make it out to be.
2: Yeah, it isn't. You know, when I look at uh, when my dad had left to pursue and become Becky, uh, as he had changed his, his name, uh, that didn't mean that I just still didn't accept him, you know, in all the ways as, as being a human being. Right. Um, but I did not affirm that identity. And that wasn't done because of anger or resentment. It was really done with my heart, wanting him to be reminded of who he was. Yes. And I was very careful where I, I was watching the tone of my voice, which I think reflects the tone of our heart. Uh, When I would speak with him, particularly when he was in the hospital, uh, in hospice, and the nurses would come in and they would talk with me and him about his diagnosis. And they'd say, well, he uh, or she, you know, and use Becky. And I just I was being polite. But I said "You mean my dad, uh, him. Uh, and, And it's, you know, it was in the presence of my dad. And this was nearing the end of his life. And my heart desperately sought for him to remember who he was yes. and how important he was to God.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if we're not going to to stand firm on, on our convictions, um, we can't expect culture at large to do that. And um, I see so many folks, and, and this is from... 25 years over 25 years now of pastoral ministry uh folks who have stood on on the scriptures and what the scriptures has to say because they do speak to this issue and stood firm on those until it happened to them uh grandson granddaughter um, declared for this lifestyle and all of a sudden it was like a switch was was flipped and they became very supportive of it and and sadly they did it in in the name of, of love Denise. how many times have you heard that in in your
2: ministry? Yeah. I think you know sometimes when people take that path, that they, they're just looking to have what they consider will be a peaceful relationship. Mm -hmm. with that one that means the world to them. But when we look at it scriptural wise or in the spiritual world, if we're not speaking the truth or being really good representatives of Jesus Christ, you know, in in our behavior or maybe the looks that we give somebody, um, then we are really not giving them the hope in Christ. If we don't speak the truth about the power of his healing, it doesn't mean that you're cruel or some terrible family member because you're not embracing or um, affirming somebody in their gay or transgender ideology thinking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I. So having said that, I've seen many over the years uh, flip that switch and all of a sudden they're, they're on the opposite position. I've also seen several over the years that have stood firm on what they believe the word of God teaches. And although they've loved their, their son or their daughter, they've made it very, very clear that they're not accepting of the behavior. They're not going to celebrate it in in any way. And sometimes that even means um, not participating in, in certain things that, that loved ones might see, Oh, you're coming around you're beginning to, to affirm this and accept this, and and that's not the message that we want to give at all. But we we do want to continue in a spirit of love for these family members.
2: Yes, uh, and for the church to also realize that the individual that might be walking into their church doors, that has lived this life and is seeking Christ in an honest and authentic way, that that is an opportunity to minister that brokenhearted that is lost just as the rest of us were at yeah. one point yeah
1: yeah yep i've been speaking with author denise schick the book is thank you the producer moving forward in community it is a bible study companion for moving forward in hope a devotional for families of lgbtq plus loved ones Denise, we're just about at the end, and and I wonder if you have any final advice to parents or friends of loved ones who have deliberately embraced homosexuality or the transgender identity and behavior.
2: You know, I just would ask the listeners that if they have somebody that's struggling with this or where they are in it, that, uh, you know, I really suggest you go to the Word of God because it brings clarity. Pray ahead of time and ask the Lord to bring you the clear answers that you're looking for. We all want quick answers. We want easy answers. Um, But that's not necessarily what we always get. Sometimes it is a challenge that the Lord's putting before you to see if you're going to trust him with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding uh, for family members that are going through these type of situations, I encourage them to take a look at their own hearts and to ask the Lord "What is it that you want to teach me? What is it that you want to show me, Lord, and to be open to that i I know I would not be the same person I am today without going through what i had um I don't know who I'd be, but it's a little scary. I have a very compassionate heart, not just for family members, but understanding the struggle of those that identify as same-sex attraction or talk about their identity issues, uh, the heartbreak that they have come from. And some of that I understand because of my dad's own situation. But to look to the Lord, look to God, that's where truth, love, and grace all are.
1: Yes, absolutely. The website is help the number four families.com help for families.com. And you, there you go. Thank you. Dot org. Thank you. Dot org. Help number four families. Dot org. I correct my notes there. Well, friends, that's all we've got for you today. Please visit the website help for the number four families.org. If you or someone, you know, has a loved one that is struggling uh, with this lifestyle. There are a lot of resources there. Um, and I know that, that Denise uh, teaches in group settings and, and conferences and things of that nature. Uh, there's a contact form there. I'm sure that if you would reach out to Denise and ask about her coming to your area to address a number of people on these subjects, that she would be happy to make that happen. So Denise, again, I thank you for joining us here on WCN-TV and talking about this very, very important subject.
2: Thank you so much. God bless.
1: You're, you're very welcome. Folks, that's all we have for you today. I appreciate you joining us. Please share this on your platforms and, and on your social media accounts and uh, get the word out about this ministry, helpforfamilies.org. We'll see you next time here on WCN-TV. God bless.